Hello, everybody. This is Mark Lewandowski. Welcome to Mind Your Business. Mind Your Business is all about building your personal capacity. Personal capacity is what is needed for you to grow in your career, make great decisions, and become a person of influence. So sit back and enjoy this content as I share with you insights and stories, examples, and personal challenges designed to do one thing, build your capacity to change your world. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Lewandowski, and today I've got a very special guest. Today with me is a gentleman named Dr. Tim Erig. Dr. Erig is a palliative care specialist. He's one of the thought leaders in the United States in palliative care. He is a physician that graduated from medical school at Stanford, and it is my very special opportunity to have him here. Tim, thank you for being at Mind Your Business. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate being here. You've got a very interesting history or a very interesting career path. Tell me a little bit about why you wanted to go to medical school and how that whole thing happened. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I'm not really sure. You know, my, my first attempt at a career some 30 plus years ago was uh, to be a professional bicycle racer. So back in the, the mid <laughs> to late 80s and early 90s. And uh, as an amateur, I was bumping elbows with the likes of uh, Lance Armstrong and, and other people. And I was good enough to be on the start line, um, but that was about it. I, I saw their tail ends get smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> and, um, I think the transition to medicine was a deep-seated curiosity in the human body. And uh, in the off-season, I had done some research for a, for a heart surgeon. And I wanted a career with less ambiguity. Um, I had the uh, aspirations, obviously being a professional, of trying out for the Olympic team in 92. Uh, it didn't come to fruition because of illness and too much uh, uncontrollable circumstances. So I think by default, I wanted something that was a known entity. And I thought, well, I'm going to combine my like of science, my love of the body, and, and go to medical school. Now, where did you grow up? Grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, Midwest. So you grew up in the Midwest, and yeah. you wind up going to medical school in California, and you wind up going to Stanford. For fellowship, yeah. I completed my training there. My actual medical school in graduate school, so I got a master's degree in molecular biology, and medical school was at the University of Nebraska, internal medicine through the University of Iowa, and then I completed my training at Stanford for palliative care. Very good. Tell me a little bit. For, now, you know, I know about palliative care, but right. in one minute, tell us what palliative care is. So basically, my job, uh, my calling outside of, uh, you know, being a husband and a, and a father is caring for the sickest of the sick, the most vulnerable people any age uh, with life-limiting or potentially life-limiting illnesses from diagnosis uh, to whatever. And it's Managing symptoms, it's empowering them with uh, the truth about their diagnosis, true informed consent, and uh, taking it one day at a time. It's about living life, period. So to go over this, you started out your career to be a professional bicycle racer. <laughs> yes. And you were all over the world racing bicycles, 
race as a cyclist with the likes of Lance Armstrong and, and really wanted to be an Olympian. And then you converted over to the practice of medicine. Yes. Was everything about medicine all that you wanted it to be? Oh, heavens no. Heavens no. It was something that left me uh, my first year of, of residency for internal medicine. It left me very, very empty. And I remember conversations with my wife that I would complete residency and then just go get a job in industry, non, non-practicing clinician, because um, the, the actual practice of medicine was antithetical to what I thought it should be or who I am until I met uh, a dear friend, uh, colleague now, back then uh, an attending physician and mentor who had a lot of similar interests off, off the uh, uh, medical platform, if you will, and he really inspired me to see what was possible. Um, his name is Dr. Brad Archer, so I got to give a, a, a kudos to him. <laughs> shout out, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's, um, he's and, and we still, you know, are in touch very frequently. We were on a bicycle ride together, and he asked me what it is about medicine that I enjoyed, and I said absolutely nothing, with the exception of. You know, these really difficult cases that are very intimate with the patient and their family and, and it's big ticket items and it's the physical, it's a clinical, it's the emotive, spiritual, it's it's the whole human being and and their care circle. You know, uh, how do you walk that one day, one hour, one minute at a time? He kind of chuckled and I said, well, that's, you know, appropriate because all my colleagues laugh because that's the stuff they hate. He said, no, I'm laughing because what you're describing is palliative medicine. And I, and I said, what's that? And thus was born, I guess, my career, my calling outside of being a dad and a husband. So fundamentally what you're saying is the this mentor, I, I, I helped you identify that the thing that you love the most is different than what the majority of medical Absolutely. professionals love. Absolutely. They love procedures. They love surgeries. They love the blocking and tackling. Uh, and you love the softer skills, the touch, the patient care, the connection with people. They're, yeah, absolutely. And and I don't want it to seem like it's all hugs and kisses because there's a, a fundamental uh, thread in true palliative care that you have to, you have to understand, you know, beyond any, uh, any doubt, the hardcore clinical sciences and, and diagnoses and uh, across the entire continuum. So it's oncology, cardiology, nephrology, gastroenterology. It's, it's everything and have an ability to understand that from a clinician's perspective and relate it to uh, a non-clinician. So I, I offer at some level, it's almost more uh, challenging from a communicative standpoint, to be that bridge and that liaison, and then to be an expertise in, you know, management of symptoms and to be, you know, clinically aggressive and understand treatments and therapies and how to how to manage pain and nausea and anxiety and uh, the interaction of all those things with concurrent treatments of chemotherapy or whatever it is. So. Yes, there's a softer side, but there's also a very hard, cutting-edge clinical side to it as well. 
So a lot of our listeners and, and a lot of our listeners are young and they're in their career and they go down a direction because that's what they were told to do. They thought that was going to be the best thing. And then they sit back and think, I don't like this. This sucks. Is it okay? And I get a lot of emails. I'll get a lot of texts or emails that say, Mark, is it okay to make a change in my career path? What you're saying is you've done that. In fact, you've done it radically Multiple three times. times. You know, I went from cycling to uh, thinking I wanted to uh, go to film school. So I moved to Los Angeles. And I was, I was <laughs> okay. working on the uh, Warner Brothers uh, production lot. And, you know, had a, a very stark reality that it's not a creative industry. Uh, absolutely. Follow your heart. How, Listen to that little voice. How do you go about telling people you love or people that trust you, like a wife or, a you know, you've got a wife and children or your parents who helped you through, go through school. How do you have that communication that says, I want to go a different direction? You first have to have the communication with yourself. Okay. Tell us about that. So it's no different than uh, sitting down, let's say, uh, in my clinical practice with someone who has a new diagnosis of, let's say, metastatic cancer, okay? Um, having a heart-to-heart conversation. At some juncture in this journey, I will ask the most important diagnostic question is, what is your little voice telling you? As far as, you know, life expectancy and, and you know, what is sacred to you? And how do we tether a, a plan together that focuses on just that, what is sacred to you? With a career, it really is no different. It's it's allowing yourself the opportunity to hear your true voice and what is sacred to you yeah. and following it. <clears throat> and when you come to the parents or the family or whomever. The, the wife is the an wife, example. Yeah, yeah. And, and you express that. It is going to be the, the purest, most genuine, true you. It's irrefutable. When people hear that, they, they listen and they hear and it resonates deeply and it is very sacred. And it's unquestionable because you know that it is the absolute truth. And so they know it's the absolute truth. And that is all that matters because it allows you to live life one day at a time. And it's predicated on who your true being is and who you want to aspire to be with your wife, whoever's in your life. And it ceases to become consternating. It ceases to become an issue. It just is. And it's liberating. It's absolutely liberating. So when you listen to your heart, and it sounds somewhat hokey. I mean, you know, it sounds like a Hallmark card, but... The absolute truth is, and so having worked all over the world, right, done a lot of work in Tanzania, it holds true, right? So it's, it's not a cultural phenomenon. It's a human experience. If you open your ears and your mind to listening to your own little voice, it will guide you. You have to trust it without question. And then you're going to be successful because you're going to be happy and the rest is going to follow. As a chief medical officer of a palliative care and hospice organization, you have to have tough dialogues with real people and family members. Many of the questions I get from Mind Your Business podcasts are about how do you communicate? How do you stretch into a level? How do you talk to people? How do you have that hard dialogue? And as you know me, I'm well known for being the guy that has the courage to have the tough dialogue. <laughs> yes. But you also have to have the courage to have these very challenging dialogues. Do you mind talk a little bit about 
the motivation behind having what many people think are the most difficult dialogues. It's talking to people about their death. So, wow, that's a big question. Um, Coming to that space is about leaving your own personal agenda at the door. And using your ears in proportion to your mouth. You know, something we don't typically do. And in all my consultations, I say, how are you? And then I just kind of shut up. And I listen and I try to really hear. Because if I listen long enough and I encourage somebody and I empower them to listen to that little voice, they will tell Everything that one needs to know about what's important to them, what's sacred to them, how they want to live, how long they think they have to live, which is, again, absolute certainty beyond any CAT scan or lab test I can, I can order. And so the conversation is allowing myself to hear and be present in that moment and not be afraid of my own mortality. And we're talking about a lot of end-of-life issues. And so... It is honoring their space. Uh, this is their life, acknowledging that. And I, I am but a servant. I am honored to be on this journey with them. And so to have difficult conversations means you have to be open to letting go of what's going on in your life at the moment, if this is with a patient, because it's about them. If it's a difficult conversation, say you've, you've listened to your voice and you want to share this with your spouse about uh, a change in career or whatever, it's about being blatantly honest. You know, I tell patients, look, my job, good, bad, or indifferent, is to be honest with you because this is your journey. And if you have one hour to live or you have 100 years to live, it's not my place to prevent you from knowing that because you get to write the script. So whether it's healthcare or changing a career or anything in between, this is your script. This is their script. Uh, not as in prescription, but their Right. It's the their, script, their, of, their script journey, of their journey. Their, exactly. Yeah, that's right. and, and the hard conversations are to give somebody the, the pen to try to write that chapter or those chapters. Does that make sense? It sure does. You, you recently had an opportunity to give your knowledge to the community via TED Talks. And it became radically successful. And you've become nationally and somewhat internationally known in palliative care thought leadership based on your TED Talk. Tell me just a little bit about That's exciting. I, I guarantee most of the people here listening to us, they know about TED Talks. These are very bright people. And you had an opportunity to, to not only provide content via TED Talks, but have it go viral, it, domestically and internationally. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that. That's exciting. It's, it's what people want to know. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I, I, I haven't ever really watched it. So, <laughs> I, I, you know. Spoken like a true artist right there. Yeah. Um, It was an opportunity to come before a live audience and a global platform and tell the truth about, you know, my interaction and engagement in healthcare space with people who 
are the most vulnerable dealing with, you know, the biggest ticket items, the sickest of the sick. And it's just my humble perspective, but I think what it, I, and so Mark, you know me, I'm not real bright and I'm pretty lazy. Okay. Baloney, I love that. <laughs> so, you know, what it, what it elucidated is that if you go back to that premise of listening and hearing and, and really teasing out what is sacred to a human being, whether they have metastatic cancer or not, right? Uh, if it's yourself saying, I need to make a career change. If, if you listen and hear and you act on that, you do things for someone, with someone, for yourself, with yourself, rather than as a physician doing things to someone or I'm stuck in a career and I'm going to you know suffer through this and do this to myself. If you do it for and with, it's a game changer. And not only are you going to experience increased quality of life, again, predicated on what's sacred to you, you are going to live longer. And those around you are going to celebrate that journey and be enhanced as well. And so the TED Talk, while its, its main topic is healthcare, it's about engaging listening, hearing. It's about forming what's been lost over the last century, right? Which is a true sense of community, these layers of support and honoring and acknowledging. And and, and if I can for a moment, just use an analogy. My daughter, uh, several years ago, so she just turned seven, but when she was four, she wanted to learn to ride a bicycle. Irony, given my first attempt at a career. (laughs) Yes. And she said, Dad, I, I don't want those training wheels. And so knowing what it means to ride a bicycle, knowing that you're going you're gonna to crash, I mean, that's inevitable. I, I had to make the decision that I could allow her to live and, and attempt to ride a bike and support her, or I could say no. And, and what does that do? That puts her in a place of living in fear. Does that make sense? Yes. I said, oh, honey, I'm proud of you. Okay, you know, let's get a helmet. I will abstain from using a full body suit of armor, you know, <laughs> and we're, we're going to talk about that. I'm so proud of you. And here's what you do. And look, if, if you fall down and you will fall down, I'm going to be there for you. Right? I'm going to be that community. And we're going to pick ourselves up. We're going to dust ourselves off. And when you're ready, we're going to start all over again. We'll, we'll get back on the bike. So that's what this conversation is really about. It's about empowering someone to overcome the unknown, to embrace the ambiguity, uh, maybe the known fear, and to live, to give somebody the opportunity to live their life. She fell down. She crashed. She stood up. We wiped the tears and she said, all right, I'll race you. Ready to go again. So... It's about living, whether metastatic cancer, riding a bike, changing a career. It's about living your life based on what's sacred to you, developing that support system that acknowledges who you are, where you are, what's important to you, and supports you, and vice versa, okay? Um, One month, one week, one hour, one minute, one second at a time. Then and only then can we truly aspire to be our true selves and engage at the deepest levels, connect to a broader sense of humanity beyond ourselves, 
uh, and affect positive change in our lives and, and the lives of those around us. That's what it's about. We, we talk a great deal in this podcast about the power of mentors in your life. I recently bumped into you at a conference in Scottsdale, and you introduced me to one of your mentors out of New York. I know that you're a person that have had has had mentors in your life, and you stay very close to them. Talk a little bit about having a mentor relationship in your life and how important it may be to not only to you but the people that are listening. So you're going to strike <clears throat> you're going to strike an emotional chord because I think my greatest mentors uh, have been my parents, and having um, walked the journey with my mother who died about eight weeks ago, it's 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 still very raw and fresh. So whether it's your parents or or someone else, and I've had many, many mentors, you need to find somebody who um, you trust, someone who you can be your absolute self with, good, bad, and indifferent, and someone who challenges you, someone who is not going to placate and tell you that everything is going to turn out roses because life is hard, right? But when did, you know, I, I, I had this. So I'm stumbling, right? Because you caught me on the emotional. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I have not learned much from those times when my life was easy. Okay? And so you need a mentor that's going to challenge you, respect you, honor you. You need not be afraid of approaching those individuals and, and asking if you can learn and listen and hear and grow with them and through them and from them. But it doesn't necessarily have to be so formal. You know, it can be anybody that inspires you, um, alive or historic. But I really encourage everybody, and I, I do a lot of work with residents, medical school students, fellows, to find somebody in your own particular space, right, that is maybe walking that path with you or has walked a similar path that you can come to, and it's a, it's that sacred space. We use the word sacred a lot, and that really means your true self. Uh, and you can be blatantly honest, and you can be scared, and you can cry, and you can laugh, and use expletives. You can be happy and share your joys and 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 successes. The entire gamut of who you are. Um, my clinical mentor, one of my clinical mentors from Stanford, um, I, I affectionately say is is, and and I've never said this in public before, but is probably one of the most awkward white guys I've ever known, <laughs> you know, but his, his physical attributes are overcome. He's, he's like a fifth or sixth degree black belt. He's a Zen Buddhist. Every word he said to me was transformative. And I would come into his office, you know, in a, in a torrential raid with expletives and, and, frustrated and he would smile and sit back and and I I know his I, I mimic his hand gestures he would say that is so good now let's talk and let's listen and together we coined you know what is is but what is is <laughs> you know so we always have to question yeah. and 
Uh, he doesn't know this, again, because none of this has ever been shared publicly, but he was, from a professional standpoint, the greatest inspiration and mentor I've ever had, uh, Dr. Jim Hallenbeck out of Stanford. And he taught me to listen and hear. And that's what you need to find in a mentor. And I strongly encourage everybody, whether it's a career change or just you know, playing guitar or find that individual um, that inspires and challenges you. I've got one more question for you, and thank you so much for your time. And you can, everybody that's out there can hear that my dog Turbo's running around <laughs> hey, jingling his hey, Turbo. and Turbo, he's licking my face. And it's great to have you here. Um, if you were to look back on the young man that graduated from undergrad and stood there at graduation looking out over that crowd and said, this is my moment in the sun. I have all these plans in front of my life. What would you turn around and tell that young man now? What do you wish that young man <laughs> had known all those years ago? It goes back to, so that's a great question, Mark. That's a great question. And it's, a, it's the same question I ask myself every day at some, some level. What does your heart tell you to do? Period. And, and if you wake up and you ask yourself that and you follow that, you are going to be absolutely successful um, whatever venue you play in. And, and not to be afraid. You're not alone. Life is wonderful, crazy, difficult. Embrace the unknown. Embrace the ambiguity. Look at the algorithm of life as a Jackson Pollock painting. Dive in and make it your own. That's, <laughs> That's what I would wonderful. recommend. That's absolutely fantastic way to end it. Tim, Dr. Tim Eric, thank you so much. Thank you. Where can people find your podcast on palliative care on TED Talks? So just Ted, and uh, my last name is spelled I-H-R-I-G. I also have a website. Um, encourage you to listen and hear, and if you have questions, reach out to me. We are so grateful that you spent this time sharing your wisdom with us. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for all the listeners out there in Mind Your Business space out in the Ethernet. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it, Mark. I appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mind Your Business. Please check me out on Facebook and Instagram and be sure to send me a message if there's something you need or want me to talk about. You know, the great motivational speaker Zig Ziglar once said, you can have anything in life you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want. What does that mean for you today? That means if there's something in this content that is exciting and really resonates with you, pass it along to your friends. Share it. Let them develop and become strong in their thinking, in their motivation, in their knowledge, just like you are. Together, knowledgeable, you and your friends will change the world.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mind Your Business. Please check me out on Facebook and Instagram and be sure to send me a message if there's something you need or want me to talk about. You know, the great motivational speaker Zig Ziglar once said, you can have anything in life you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want. What does that mean for you today? That means if there's something in this content that is exciting and really resonates with you, pass it along to your friends. Share it. Let them develop and become strong in their thinking, in their motivation, in their knowledge, just like you are. Together, knowledgeable, you and your friends will change the world. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mind Your Business. Please check me out on Facebook and Instagram and be sure to send me a message if there's something you need or want me to talk about. You know, the great motivational speaker Zig Ziglar once said, you can have anything in life you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want. What does that mean for you today? That means if there's something in this content that is exciting and really resonates with you, pass it along to your friends. Share it.